Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, I'm back with Bo and Mike. And and what is this stuff we're about to talk about? Mycelium insulation panels. Mips. Okay, so you've got a perfectly good wall, and you're going to, on purpose, introduce fungus, not to, to turn your home into a compost pile, but instead to make it better. That's true. We've talked a lot about insulation in the Red Cabin in the uh, prior podcast. And, uh, you know, a lot of research is being done uh, concerning mycelium, dif- different fungal strains. But one of the most promising applications is for its R-value in insulation and for its acoustical properties in insulation in an industrial and building capacity. Have you done any of this? You know, I have grown some of my own mushrooms and extracted the spent um, substrate and tinkered around with carving uh, insulative building blocks out of them, which could then be cobbed, but nothing past an experimental stage. At home right now, I've got uh, spawn cloning for reishi and shiitake, and I'm ready to do my first few rounds of prototypes for um, four foot by two foot by two inch panels. All right, so do these have, are they just for insulation, or do they have structural value? Uh, In and of themselves, they don't have structural value. One thing that I'm interested in is um, appropriating structural insulated panel technology, which is typically uh, expanded polystyrene sandwiched in either OSB or metal, which is structural, but I'd like to replace the polystyrene with mycelium mats, and then it would be structural. Okay, so um, I know that wood and straw bales have an R value of R2 per inch. And so straw bales are not all that insulative. But once they're 18 inches thick, all those little twos add up to, you know, 2 times 18, 36. And it's like, now you got R36. That's pretty damn good. Now, uh, for this uh, moldy, I want to say mold board, but that's a whole different thing. Different thing. Yeah, this is going to be mycelium board. Um, What's the R value per inch? It depends on the density of the substrate and how completely it is consumed by the mycelium, but it tends to be more comparable to rock wool, very high performing. In a 2-inch panel, you can get R19 to R27. Per inch. For a two-inch panel, so for a two-inch panel. Okay, yeah. all right. So uh, say so per inch, it would be R seven. You know, R twelve, R seventeen would be maybe the upper end. I'd have wow. to look at the latest research. But. Wow. I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking like, uh, but that you're saying that's comparable to rock wool. Right. I thought that like like uh, I'm kind of thinking my my numbers are going through my head and I, isn't um the the fiberglass something like um R4 per inch? Am I speaking out of turn? Yeah, well yeah. I think yeah, I think fiberglass is R4ish and the rock wool I was looking at yesterday for a 4 inch 
thick wall was R21. So that'd be per right. inch. No, R21 for a four inch. For a four inch. Okay. Chunk. So it'd be R5 right. per inch. Okay. All right. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah, I was thinking like like uh, you, if you start going into R7 territory, it's like they've got stuff, but it's like like with the the, the super toxic stuff they use for refrigerator trucks. Well, you got to understand. I'm also coming to this. I love the thermal insulative capacity, but I come to this as an audio engineer, and when I enter a space, I'm primarily drawn to the sound of the reflection, the reflection of the sounds against the walls and the surfaces. So my initial application will be recording studio and spatial environments of an acoustical nature. Hey, do, do, you, do you like my office? Yeah, it's so baffling. <laughs> it's very effective. Um, yeah, staying here in the Fisher Price House. It's very segmented sonically. Yeah, not not too shabs. Um, I, I I do want to share. If we're going to talk about acoustics for a moment, I did see a, a fascinating YouTube video where he went through like uh, five or six different materials that were designed to for acoustic deadening, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a, a speaker uh, like mounted. And then a place to put materials, and then a microphone, mm-hmm. and then he ran the exact same test for all these different materials. And the thing that was so fascinating is that um, it's like there was a clear winner in the end. And anything that could be purchased for the sake of sound deadening, that was all the worst. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was the best was terry cloth bath towels. They were, they were the very best. Yeah. So um, that's why I do all my decorating in terry cloth bath towels. It's a good look, too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think some of the stuff is curtain material, and some of it's uh, whatever was at. Uh, I think I think that was actually some weird purchase by my son at a Scottish festival. Yeah. It, it has dragons on it. He was like all of 15 at the time, like, ooh, this will be so cool. I could use my own money on it. Mm-hmm. And then when he moved out, it's like, he's like, that's too fucking ugly. I'm embarrassed by it now that I, you know, and so he left it behind and it's like, okay, I'll, I'll put that to use. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I think that one over there looks like it's literally a curtain. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some of this is just like stuff I picked up at a yard sale. Like, here's a bolt of this stuff for a dollar. And it's like, yeah, I'll use that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, look, that looks like it's a curtain. That looks like that kind of curtain-y stuff that goes above the curtains. What are they? I, I don't remember the... Yeah, valance. Somebody's valance is now my sound deadening in my office. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is a sound, sound deadening couch. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. Swallows a lot of frequencies here. All right, we were talking about fungus, though. Yeah. Um, why do you keep changing the subject like that? Okay. <laughs> but it does make sense. Almost anything that is going to be awesome at deadening sound almost universally is also awesome at being insulating. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Mike can't shut the fuck up about blowing a seal. And it's like all day, every day. It's this seal we keep hearing about. Mm-hmm. It's a romance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um how is this stuff, if it's going to be insulative, is it any good at doing a seal? If it's continuous, it'll, just like any substance, it will provide a better seal. But if you're using it in bats, it has to accompany a sealing component as well. And now comes the challenge and why why you're not going to be able to get it to seal. And that is that um, how you make it. It has to, there's a certain process 
that prevents it. So first you've got to grow it, which takes a certain number of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to do something to make it so that it doesn't turn your house into a compost pile. And what is that process? You've got to bake it. Okay. Yeah, you've got to bake it so it won't continue growing and, and making spores and replicating itself. So if I knew you were coming, I'd bake you a house. Yeah, bake yeah. you a house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a warm house. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, um, I would think that it's like, okay... Mostly to kill all organisms, you just set a temperature. I mean, like, when we're canning, it gets to 212, but we know that botulism spores will survive that, so you got to get it up to closer to 240, and you got to do it for, like, an hour to make sure that everything is dead at 240. But it gets a little bit more complicated than that when the material you're trying to, you know, basically you're trying to kill all the spores, so it's a similar sort of a thing. You want to kill all the spores so that they don't come back and compost your house. Um, only now you need your baking heat to reach to the center of an insulated material because when you're trying to prevent botulism in your canned chili, that canned chili has a very low R value. The heat gets in there easier than if it's an insulated thing. So, all right, what's what's the current recipes for this baking? Um, there's a few different methods that I'm seeing people try. One of them, the simplest way would be to bake it in your oven for two hours at as low as 180 degrees. And my understanding is that stops the mycelium from growing, but it will not kill the spores. So it's probably ample for a DIY project, but... More recently, there was an organization in Denmark, I believe, that developed schematics for a rocket-powered mycelium panel baking device that reaches 700 degrees, which will then kill the spores and totally prevent it from any further biological activity. So we're currently contemplating the red insulating the red cabin, and I, I can assure you we will not do this. But <laughs> let's enter Mr. Rogers' land of make-believe, right. and, and it's like we're going to pretend like we're going to do this. Um, I'm going to guess that the walls of the red cabin are two-by-fours. Does that seem about right? Seems about right. Yeah. I actually didn't measure them, but I assumed that. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's say that, that they're two-by-fours. Two-by-something. So something. I can see the tooth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just kind of thinking that it's a small enough structure that they probably wouldn't have used two by sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, plus it was a tack room when when I arrived, and so there was no intention for like, oh, let's do two by sixes. We could have thicker insulation. So the insul- we would need insulation that is three and a half inches thick, and um, if if it were uh, created normally then um, each stud would be 16 inches away from the other studs, right? If it were made normally, which the Red Cabin has comedy. They, they built it with, with laughter. Yeah. And, and so it, it's not 16. But let's pretend it is. Because <clears throat> this is Mr. Rogers' land of make believe We can pretend with anything we want. And this is a rambly podcast, and this is part of my ramble. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> That would mean that since each stud is an inch and a half thick, then we would need something about 14 and a half inches wide, three and a half inches thick, and um, 
as much as the red cabin is probably uh, using, it's eight feet tall on the inside-ish, it'll probably end up being a little bit shorter than that for reasons. And so, but the other thing is, is like, if you start making this stuff eight feet long, it could get to be a little unwieldy. It might turn out to be wiser to have chunks that are how how long? I'm going to go with the expert on this. How long do I want to make? I'm gonna, if we're going to do this, how big do I want to make my chunks? So my prototypes are 14 and a half by 4 feet long uh, so that you can easily couple them to reach 8 foot or you can cut them down. Okay. So if I know I'm going to make it for this specific building, I'll probably make some that are 4 feet long and some that are a pinch less than four feet long, like maybe an inch or two less, depending on if I go in there and I measure it, Mm -hmm. and it's generally three inches less, then I'm going to go with something that's generally two and a half inches less, and then I can shave some off maybe? You can cut it. It, I mean, it's certainly a better idea if you know your dimensions to grow it right, because especially reishi mycelium, which is the highest performing R value, is really resistant to, to most methods of cutting. Ooh. Okay, now you push the button. Mm. The fuck? <laughs> it's uh, it's a really, it's spongy, but it's very firm. Um, you can use a serrated knife. You can probably use power tools, but it's going to get gummed up, and it's fibrous, so it's going to pull as it's tearing. So, so it's kind of got a little bit of a taffy element to it. A little bit taffy-like without the stickiness. It's gonna. I mean, it's gonna gum stuff up. It's got like a property to it that's like, I'm sticky. It doesn't cut like you want it to. Yeah. All right. All right. It will resist. I need to need to figure out the best tools because I'm sure there's a good way to do it. All right. All right. What's uh, that? Laser. Lasers. There you okay. go. Okay. All right. And and not a water jet because this stuff is. It's like because you add water, it that could make it the wrong kind of happy. It's more resistant to water than standard insulation materials, but you don't want to just saturate it. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So I'm going to set up some forms, mm-hmm. and I'm going, to, I'm going to be saying to myself, like, I want an insulation panel that's this size, and I'm going to get a bunch of wood out, and I'm going to set this stuff up. I'm going to make, I'm going to need to make, I don't know, 30 panels maybe 40 panels for the red cabin. So I'm going to fill, I'm going to make these frames, a whole bunch of them, and then I'm going to fill them up with substrate, which is going to be like sawdust, and and spores or maybe plugs or something? You usually use a spawn slurry, so you take a inoculant and mix it with a... Rye seed is a really common one, and you let it inoculate the rye seed first, and then you mix that concentrated batch into your sawdust or your straw. Okay. And then I go splort onto my substrate, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to keep it moist while it grows for how long? Um, it depends on the the species. Um Oyster would consume all the substrate in your form in about six weeks. Reishi tends to take about ten weeks, so somewhere in that range. Okay. So if I'm going, and it sounds like from our previous conversations that, like, reishi is the gold standard, and, um, and oyster is pretty good. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's say we're going to do the the longer stuff, ten weeks, because you know we we're looking for deluxe. Right. Um, and it's like, uh, all right, so ten weeks. So that's like more than two months. It's like a little, like two two months and a week kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, I got my for two months. I've got my little garden. I got to keep it warm. And so I'm going to probably do this in the summertime. It's going to take up some real estate mm-hmm. in the shop, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's going to take up a lot of space, and I got to keep it warm and moist mm-hmm. while it's doing its thing. You and don't need the whole room moist. You can wrap it in plastic, so each individual panel is in its own moist environment. Okay. Yeah. So I might make some kind of rack mm-hmm. to hold it all. Mm-hmm. And then I got to keep it moist and warm, mm-hmm. and and it's like okay, I'm growing me some insulation here, but I'm kind of starting off with a bunch of sawdust, which is effectively insulation, mm-hmm. and it to fill all this, and then, um, but it's kind of a flammable insulation, and um, its R value is going to be, in fact, if it's just sawdust, I mean, not only it's flammable, so we don't want to use that, but but if it's just sawdust. Then um, I'm going to guess like solid wood has an insulative value of about R2, but that's also considered to be so shitty that it's also considered to be a, a, a thermal leak, as as is also conductive of heat mm-hmm. and cold. <clears throat> well, conductive of cold. I'm not allowed to say that because the, the, the physicists that listed this will be like, "There's no such thing. It's lack of heat." Okay, all right, all right. So it's conductive, so uh, sort of, kind of, a little bit. Um, but but sawdust is going to have a lot of little air pockets in it. I'm going to I'm going to speculate that it's going to have an insulative value of sawdust saw of R3. Fair? Anybody want to contest well, that? I believe solid wood is an R1 per inch. Really? Yeah. Unless on cedar, I think is the best. I think it's an R. One point something little, hmm. so I, I believe what I've heard is that yeah, just bare, pure wood is R one per inch. So yeah, sawdust. I, I would imagine it's probably at least then a two or maybe up to a three. Ooh, uh, but I don't. Oh my! Yeah, all this time I've been thinking it's R two per inch. I thought it, I got that from looking at a bunch of R value charts over and over and over and over again. Hmm. Specifically, while I was looking for like what is the R value of dirt. Mm-hmm. And what is the R value of wet dirt versus dry dirt? But Maybe that's it a depends uh, on the moisture content of the wood too. Oh, yeah, he's got you there. I I would agree, but yeah, the charts I want to say I've seen it's usually bouncing right around one for wood. Okay, so now I could be wrong. For your neck of the woods, yeah. you have a lot more hardwoods than we have here. Here it's all softwoods. I would imagine that a hardwood would have a lower R value than a yeah. softwood. Yeah, from what I've seen and what little reading I've done on like cordwood buildings, the the best wood for that was is cedar, which is a very light wood, presumably has more air in it. And a, and a conifer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't use. I, yeah, I don't think black locust would be as good for. Or right, or it'd, oak. It'd be like a rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the R value of rocks is crapulent. Yeah, yeah. Just wet rocks. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I I've got my frames. They're full of this uh, sawdust, which has an R value. I'm going to say R three because it's got a lot of air pockets in it. And and Mike is shrugging. Bo, 
R3. You're like, well, who it's gives a shit? Fluffier than wood, so. Fluffier than wood, all right, yeah. yeah. Than wood. And, and now we're thinking that we introduce the mycelium to it. We're going to um, make it far better for our uses. So we're going to not use sawdust because we're worried about how not only is this is it become this awesome place for bugs and mice to live, but it also has this element of like, can I please catch on fire today? And so and burn everything down. I'm like paper here. I'm ready to go. And and now let's let's talk about those properties and um, what we're going to end up with with our uh, mycelium insulation. Right. So when the sawdust goes in, it's got all those sawdusty properties. But when it comes out, it's a white spongy substance, and you can hold a propane torch to it for five minutes, and it will not ignite. You just can't set it ablaze. How how does it do for mouse habitat? They don't really like it. They, they find it like whatever the sticky element is and whatever else. There's nothing good to eat. There's it's just very hard. And and it's, it's a very hard, spongy substance. Difficult to cut. Okay. And then uh, how about insects? It tends to repel insects as well when it's in its dried state, especially the reishi. Okay. How about how about molds and things of that nature trying to get established and make you sad? From all my reading, it shows to be more mold resistant than all conventionally used products. Okay. All right. All right. And and another thing is is that earlier you were saying that you were chemically sensitive. So how does it do in that space? Does great. No chemicals. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay. Besides so that. This is this is a little bit more pie in the sky, but I'm electromagnetically sensitive too, so I'm interested in perhaps building a Faraday cage mm-hmm. to get my rest in a in a in a uh, earth grounded zone. And there's certain mushrooms that will metabolize conductive metals and weave them into their mycelium. So there's the, there's the potential to creating conductivity and building a Faraday cage with the mycelium panels as well. Um. I think that here at base camp, we have done nothing to mitigate uh, EMF noise, but I think that up at the lab, we have done massive things Absolutely. to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. Do you do you sense your your sensitivities in this space? Do you sense that difference? Yeah, absolutely. I slept fantastic at Cooper Cabin. Um, I can't tell in the moment when I'm in the context of electromagnetic interference, but I can tell over the course of one to three days. And it mostly manifests in my sleep. So I slept I slept incredibly well at Cooper Cabin, where it's just completely off-grid. And, you know, as long as I turn my device off, I'm just connected to the earth and even on a grounded substance on the cob, cob yeah. bench. Uh, and then, you know, Fisher, Fisher House price was very comfortable, but there's a lot of Wi-Fi and a lot of devices. And uh, as is usual, when I'm traveling and staying in a typical modern environment, I woke up at two and four with uh, agitation, joint pain, and a racing mind. So, yeah. we are um, we have had conversations about reducing that here, um, but it's kind of like when it comes to the long list of priorities, it hasn't made the cut. You're doing your experiments at the lab, yeah, you know, and then you gotta gotta keep business moving along. Yeah, yeah. All right. So back to Mr. Rogers' line of make-believe. We've got these panels four feet by 
uh, what did we say, 14 and a half inches? Mm-hmm. Um, and they are three and a half inches thick. And um, and we've we've kind of set them up in their uh, little uh, space to to grow. We're keeping them moist and warm. And the ten weeks have passed. And so uh, I believe at some point we actually got this giant harvest of fruiting bodies. Yeah, you can actually harvest the mushrooms from the panels while they're growing. So it's a value-added product on both ends. So we're doing reishi, then then tell me about like what the harvest looks like for, during this 10 weeks. So if you haven't seen a reishi mushroom, it'll start popping up like little finger-sized, um, they call them antlers. And then after those grow, they form a cap that grows larger, and they can get quite large, about 8 inches or more. And they have a red lacquery top and a white porous underneath side they don't have gills they have uh, pores Uh, and then at any point past then you can cut them off and either extract them with either alcohol or water or you can dry them and powder them and use them medicinally they're a a potent immune booster immune system booster and they uh, they have clinical studies in the hundreds that have proven that they can uh, attack and kill cancer okay so um, not an edible mushroom. Not oh, like no. something like I'm having this for dinner. Right. Right. Okay. It's it's a medicinal only. Right. And all that that implies. Right. Okay. Um, when do you see the first fruiting bodies? It's probably going to be about the 10 week mark. So if you want to yield a fruit, then you are going to want to push them a little longer. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's possible that at the 10 10 week mark, I'll get some. Mm-hmm. And since I'm doing so much of this, I'll probably be like, and that's all I need. And really quickly, like not a lot, harvest what's there. Mm-hmm. And now for probably the most challenging step. And, and how are you? So how are you going to do the bake thing with these? Like, okay, so I'm, I'm putting this challenge in front of you. Mm-hmm. I've got these panels four feet by Fourteen and a half inches by three and a half inches, and um, and now they need to bake. They probably need to stay in their frame during the baking process. No, they can come out of the frame. They're rigid and now they're rigid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But they're also ready to pump out mushrooms. Yeah, they're alive. <clears throat> and and so um, uh, what? So we could we, basically it sounds like we need a we need a big ass kiln. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I envision is not that far different from, say, the shower heater up at the showers here at base camp, where you have a chamber within a chamber that's heated by a rocket engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the exhaust from the top of the heat riser will enter a barrel or any other thing, and then you have uh, a chamber within that, and that's the chamber where you have a, a rack or multiple racks to insert your panels. It almost seems like what I need to do is I need to get a bunch of these panels made up so that I can make the kiln. Yeah. yeah. Then I can, you know, make yeah. the panels that are going to be for the red cabin. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I'm going to need some serious insulation. Now, um, when we start talking about, like, rocket oven um, and that kind of thing, uh, we're looking for materials, like, in the J-tube that can tolerate up to 3,000 degrees. But then um, after that, it's like eh, 600 degrees. But actually, the rocket oven, we try to push it up to 900 degrees. So we need something that can handle more than 1,000 degrees. 
Um, what kind of temperatures are we looking at here? I'd have to look to give an exact number, but I think it would be a, a contender for that application. So up there with the rocket oven materials, yeah. <clears throat> I, which I think we're using rock wool. Yeah, it's comparable to rock wool on most specs. So Okay, all right, all right. So if we're going to make this stuff, which sounds super cool, it's going to need uh, to be baked. And um, it's possible that if we can get it up to, you know, unlike the oven, but do something where it's 200 degrees for, say, I want to make up a number of four hours, is that going to be sufficient? Yeah, that'll stop it from growing. Okay. Is there any reason to go longer or hotter? If you want to kill any spores in there, you may need to go higher or longer. And but the there's spores? no reason to not use a no longer growing reishi panel in your wall. All right. The spores are going to need the temperature to be right, and they're going to need moisture. Right. So then if this got moist, you could have new adventures. I think it's possible. It could, it could probably find a home in your stick frame or something. All right. Chances are, though, that whatever spores are on the inside, those are, um, I mean, first of all, I don't see how the spores could have gotten on the inside, but they probably uh, grew during our growing phase. Mm. And so then, then once they got beyond spore state, they were killed. Right. Um, and so they're dead now. Mm-hmm. So the only spores might be where, like where we had fruiting bodies, and maybe the fruiting bodies put spores on the outside. But the outside experienced those high temperatures for longer, and so they are probably sterilized. Probably. I'm using lots of probably language. Yeah. I think it's an outside chance that you would be able to see a reishi replicate in this application. Okay. I think you're I think you're going to be much more worried about the other ramifications of water in your building than accidentally growing a medicinal mushroom out okay. of your wall. Out of your wall. All right. All right. All right. So, we've taken um uh sawdust which was uh insulative, but it had a lot of sucky properties. And then we went through this 10-week process, and if we did it with oyster mushrooms, we would have gotten food mushrooms, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, plus it would have gone faster, but we would have had a a lower quality material, but it's like still, so like when we're looking at the scale of like quality of material, there's sawdust, and then there's an enormous leap to oyster mushroom, and then a small leap to reishi. Yeah, and it's it's not even necessarily inferior. Uh, oyster mycelium has a, a much more flexible nature, so if you're trying to bend around a rocket oven, it would probably be a lot easier to work with. If you're working with a vaulted chamber, it would bend around it rather than having to cut and manipulate something more rigid. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. <clears throat> so we went from sawdust um, to having something that is fire-resistant, uh, uh, pest resistant for both insects and small mammals mm-hmm. and birds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So critters aren't going to live in there. And it's it, it gained insulative value. Right. Yeah. All right. And, and it seems like even further, like when we have needs for insulation and other things, 
that we could possibly use this stuff for those things as well. Um, one thought that comes to mind is like, oh, can I can I make things like a sink or tub? But it does. I think I think I heard you say that water would run through it, like like it's water resistant, meaning it won't rot when moist for a period of time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it does it is, does not it is not a closed cell. It's an open cell. Right. right, and it's not hydrophobic. You know, so you'd have to coat it with something to be able to retain water in it. Okay. All right. All right. So um, uh, I don't know. I to me it, it does seem like there is a long process to growing it. I would imagine that if somebody had a business doing this, that they could sell this stuff for a lot of money because I think that there would be a lot of people that would be very interested in having it mm-hmm. and they'd be willing to trade dollars instead of making it themselves because you know a now okay it's 10 weeks for reishi and a, is it 6 weeks for oyster yeah 6 weeks so a month and a half that's still so you got it for 6 weeks you got to build all the frames mm-hmm. to hold it all mm-hmm. I mean you, and then you got to keep it warm and moist for 6 weeks mm-hmm. and then you've got to bake it mm-hmm. in a kiln that you've somehow thrown together um, I mean it, it's got challenges yeah and it's really a, a problem of real estate and time um, my father-in-law runs a structural insulated panel business and when I pitched this idea to him you know he understandably said we we expand the polystyrene hopefully a few days before we ship out the final product. I can't afford to store all this product because yeah. of the sheer amount of space. So I think the I think the linchpin will be being able to leverage the fruiting bodies to justify the lengthy time of fabrication. Uh, so you have income streams coming from two different places. Right, mm-hmm. right. So if, like, for example, places that already grow a bunch of uh, oyster mushrooms, they could be like, we will provide the oyster oyster mushroom substrate for, um, I don't know, I can't help but think that the price would be ten times greater than that of more conventional insulation. Um, But for some people, it's like, that could be a pretty cool way to make some coin. Mm Mm-hmm. I would imagine, I mean, I don't, Is are there people selling this stuff right now? There's a few instances of it. There's a company in the, in the northeast somewhere that's making um, very strong exterior doors that are insulated with it. And uh, like I said, it's really high functioning, but it's being sold a little bit more for cool factor to homes that are probably insulating with other methods, but they have a little window in their door that shows the mushrooms, you know. And there's companies that are building novelty items um, like pots and and, uh, pin holders that are molded to any size and shape you can imagine out of mycelium. Uh, And then there's a lot of high high art endeavors that are really exploring the the magical world of mycelium and using it uh, for uh, sculptural installations. Um, and there's a there's a company called Evocative that's making it possible to buy the spawn and the substrate and to make your own form and to grow it in a really foolproof way. So it does seem like um, with a door you could almost like build the whole door, fill it with the substrate, and then do the warm and moist thing with that. 
But it was like I'm kind of thinking like you can't do a wood door. You can't bake the wood in the same way. And then you and then I'm thinking like you turn around and bake it later. But it's like it would have to be like a steel door or something Mm -hmm. if you're going to do it that way. Yeah. Because then then uh, otherwise because otherwise if you used a wood door and you tried to do this, there's a really good chance that like the mycelium is going to go into the wood and kind of do unkind things to your wood. True? It'll stop eating it eventually if it runs out of moisture. So if you're, you know, if you kiln dry your door, it'll halt the process of the of the uh, mycelial consumption. But, but during the six weeks? Yeah, it's slower to eat into hardwood than it is to eat into loose substance. So... It could actually bond with your door, but the way it's done currently is is forming and growing it and then inserting it into a pre-measured yeah. cavity in a wooden door. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, for this stuff about fungus insulation panels, uh, let me look at my uh, notes here. Um, with, uh, okay. I, that's all my notes. Is there anything else about this? Man, no. That's it. We covered it. Mike, you got anything? Um, yeah, well, I guess I don't know if this is good questions or not, but how if you have wires running through the wall, do you have to cut it, kind of cut and fit around it, or compress around wires and obstacles? Uh, depending on which species it is, it has some ability to compress. You can probably shove conduit into oyster mycelium panel, not so much with reishi. You would either drill through it or uh, you could include that in your form also exclude the substrate from a a tube so just like in SIPS panels they often have uh, ports for conduit to be inserted and I would look at doing that okay so it might be that you'd want to insulate before you do your rough wiring so in a stick built frame or I guess no Taking us off topic, maybe that was just one of those. Yeah. Also, is it squishy enough that if you made it like a quarter inch oversized, it would fit into the stud bay and kind of stay put, or is it not going to squish that much? It'll probably squish a quarter inch. Okay. With the ratio stuff. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to muscle it in there. It's going to resist it, but then it'll stay put. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So overhead applications that'd be nice. Yeah. So now, for the oyster mushroom, you're kind of talking about, like, it's got flexibility and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the, I was kind of getting the impression that the reishi stuff was, like, pretty, pretty, like, it's a, like it comes out as a big rock. But now, you, now it sounds like it's a squishy rock. It's a squishy rock. It's pretty tough. I don't know if you can squish it a, a full quarter inch, but you can probably squeeze it into an eighth inch. And, and when you try to, and you're, like, when you take a saw to it, the saw is going to get gummed up. But, like, what is this material? Like, if we're talking about the reishi board, what is this material like? It's, it's like it's made out of, not taffy, it's made out of, uh, like, a hard candy that's soft? It's hard to describe. Um, if you've ever handled the mushroom itself, it's similar in quality. Where If you're handling a thin piece at the very edge, it has a small amount of pliability. But if you're handling the solid conch that's, uh, that's lacquered and varnished red, it's, it's about as hard as a rock, but a little lighter. So maybe the thing to do is if I needed it to be a quarter inch thinner <clears throat> or a half an inch thinner, and it would do a quarter of an inch, Maybe I would take the final product and I would construct a vice jig of sorts and try to compress it, squeeze it over a 24-hour period, and it might be like 
Cool. We'll do that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> a new enough uh, path. It, 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 there's still some experimentation to do. Yeah. I kind of feel like we will end up doing experiments in this space mm-hmm. um, because it just seems so really well aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I'm excited to try it. I mean, I think we need to do a lot more with Slipstraw first, mm-hmm. um, which uh, has an R value about the same as, as Straw Bale, but is um, a little bit more structural and um, a little bit easier and faster to do, and you can use a lower quality straw. Um, and it uh, definitely is not, uh, it goes in wet, not not dry, like Straw Bale does. And you don't have to wait 10 weeks for it to grow. Uh, and then there's some of that, too. Yeah. yeah. And so I am kind of curious about how well it might do for some of our applications. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the space for it. Have you done any of the slip straw? I've messed around with it. I haven't built a structure using it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're going to have to go a lot thicker yeah. than what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the and it seems like a lot of stuff that's in permaculture one of the biggest ingredients we need is patience Mm -hmm. you know like when we're going to start a tree we tend to start from seed instead of go to the store and buy something that's already five years old right yeah slow tech yeah Mm -hmm. slow tech okay anything else about this if you like this sort of thing Come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about natural building, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.